just like choosing eyeglasses for clearer vision, you can choose between fleshly and spiritual lenses for your worldview as well. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah returns to Romans 8 to continue his look at mankind's struggle between human nature and living according to the Spirit. To introduce the conclusion of his powerful message, The Spirit and the Flesh, here's David. Well, today we're going to finish up our discussion of uh, this particular subject, the Spirit and the Flesh. Uh, next week, we'll talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a lesson called the groaning and the glory. And then we'll begin uh, the greatest promise in the Bible, which is Romans 8.28. That's on next week's agenda. You know, I'm certain you're aware of the fact that reading the Bible or listening to it is, is valuable. You, you no doubt um, have done that many times in your life. Maybe you've made a disciplined effort to study the Bible, even memorize it. But have you ever written it down? 3,500 years ago, Moses gave this instruction to the future king of Israel. He said, It shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book. Moses went on to say that as the king copied God's word and carried it with him and read it all the days of his life, he would learn to fear and obey the Lord, develop healthy relationships with other people, stay committed to the best things in life, and extend his legacy to future generations. Well, that's quite a promise, and it suddenly dawned on me as we talked about that. We can do that. We can do what the king of Israel did. We can write in our own handwriting the New Testament. We've started. We've started with the book of Romans, and we have the Romans written word journal available to you. We'd like to send it to you. Uh, this is something we produced. We have come up with this uh, system. Uh, other people have done the written word thing, but this is our own personal version. And we want to send you the first edition of the series, Romans, the Written Word Journal. We're already working on Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. That will be out in a few weeks. But I want to encourage you to give this your best try. Write out the book of Romans in your own hand and see what happens. Once again, send a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of November and ask for your copy of the Written Word Journal. All right, let's get started with the Friday edition of this teaching series, The Spirit in the Flesh, Part 2, Romans Chapter 8. Almost exactly at this particular time, 25 years ago, I was diagnosed with lymphoma, a type of cancer that at the time had a very poor survival rate. Shortly after my diagnosis, I went to the Mayo Clinic and I was operated on immediately. The surgery was called a laparotomy, and really what it was is they cut me open from stem to stern like a fish. After my surgery, I was taken to another floor to recover, and I'll remember this like it happened yesterday. On this particular floor, the patient rooms were in a circle, and the nurse's station and desk for staff were in the middle. As soon as it was possible, the doctors told me that I should get up and try to walk, so Knowing this was an important part of my recovery, I pushed myself to do a full lap around the nurse's station, starting at my room and passing every other patient's room until my room came up again, and then I went back in and got in bed. My goal that first day was one lap. That's all I wanted, one lap, and that was pretty challenging. And I was barely able to finish it. So the next day I decided, I'm only doing two laps today. My plan was to do one more each day, and then I'd done the day before, 
So I set out walking slowly around the circle. By a strange coincidence, the doctor who had performed my surgery was dictating his notes about me when I shuffled by his desk. All I remember hearing him say was, a pastor from California who has stage four large cell lymphoma cancer. Now, that might not seem important to you, but nobody had told me I had stage four cancer. I had cancer, but I didn't know I had stage four cancer. I wasn't even sure what that was, but I know it was worse than stage three. (laughs) Somehow, I completed those two laps and got back to my room. And I remember sitting there feeling really scared and overwhelmed. But then that feeling completely left me and was replaced by another. I realized I'm not in control of my life. I told myself that. But the Spirit of God is in control of me. And a sense of what I can only describe as peace began to come over my heart. I'm going to let God do his work and I'll do mine. My only thought was, well, tomorrow I'm doing three laps. I don't know what you're doing, God, but I'm doing three laps tomorrow, right? If things are bad on the outside, the Holy Spirit is in charge of the inside. He will give you peace. And the Bible says it's peace that passes all understanding. Isn't that true? And, you know, you can't understand that unless you've been there, and you can't tell somebody, oh, I've been where you've been. I know, No, you don't. You don't know what I've been through because you haven't been through what I've been through. And I don't know what you've been through, but I know this, when you go through something like that, that actually pulls at the very fabric of your life, if the Holy Spirit is in your heart and you're walking with the Lord, he will give you peace, and it will be something like you can't even explain to someone else. And if you try to tell a non-Christian about it, they'll just look at you like you're weird. You know? So it's how you think about things. It's your mindset. It's setting your mind. I read this in a book that someone gave me by Max Lucado, and here's what he said. He said, you probably know this, but in case you don't, I'm so thrilled to give you the good news that you get to pick what you ponder. You didn't select your birthplace or your birth date. You didn't choose your parents or your siblings. You don't get to determine the weather or the amount of salt in the ocean. There are many things in life over which you have no choice. But the greatest activity of life is well within your dominion. You get to choose what you think about. You can be the air traffic controller of your mental airport. You occupy the control tower and can direct the mental traffic of your world. Thoughts circle above, coming and going. If one of them lands, it's because you gave it permission. If it leaves, it's because you directed it to do so. It turns out that one of our most valuable weapons weighs less than three pounds and sits between our ears. Think about what you think about. (laughs) Set your mind on the Spirit. These verses raise a fundamental question about all of us. How are we forming our minds? What are we putting into our minds? What are we exposing them to? Christians who read nothing but the latest novels, who watch nothing but network television, who talk to nobody but non-Christians all the time, all the input they're getting is from one direction. 
They're allowing their minds to be set by other people instead of setting it themselves. And they will ultimately reflect the value system that becomes the grid of their mind if they don't get over this and take control. If we are serious about progressing in the Christian life, we have to seek every day to feed our minds with spiritual food. We all know that. I'm not trying to get in your face about it and make you feel bad if you're not doing it. I'm just telling you this is what the Word of God says. Set your mind. Phroneo is the Greek word. It means to take control of it. Set your mind. The mind of the Spirit in you. There's the fleshly mind, flesh minus H, spell backwards, self. And there's the spiritual mind, putting the Holy Spirit at the center, making sure you turn the right direction in the circle and going forward. Now, let me talk with you just a few moments about the measure of the Spirit. Because in verses 9 to 11, this is what Paul says. You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Now, beginning with this verse, Paul shifts from the third person to the second person. It's interesting. He's going to talk directly to his readers instead of about them. He's going to exhort them to acknowledge the Spirit in their lives. And he begins by telling them that the Holy Spirit inhabits us. Verse 9, but you are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, listen to this. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. I grew up in a culture where a lot of preachers preach that when you become a Christian, you get Christ, but then you've got to have a second work of grace to get the Holy Spirit. You ever hear that? Some people say, well, have you been baptized in the Spirit? Yes, I have. Every one of us has been baptized in the Spirit because the Word of God says when you become a Christian, Spirit baptism happens automatically, imperceptibly in your life. To be baptized in the Spirit means you become a part of the body of Christ. So let me just settle this once and for all, and then I'm going to read this verse again. You cannot be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit. It's impossible. Listen to what Paul said. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, that person is not his. You're not a Christian. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Are you a Christian? Yes. Do you have Christ? Yes. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Absolutely. Don't let anybody come and tell you that if you're a Christian, you need to go get the Holy Spirit. Because, listen to me, I wrote a book one time about this, a little pamphlet, and it was called this. Is the Holy Spirit original or optional equipment? (laughs) He's original equipment. Amen? So you got the Holy Spirit. He dwells in you. The acid test of being a Christian is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says that you can be certain of your salvation if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. And the word dwell is a wonderful word which means he's at home in you. So the first thing he wants you to know is that the Holy Spirit inhabits you. You may not even know that. Let me tell you, if you don't know the Holy Spirit is in you, you will never call upon him to help you. If you don't know you have him, you would never think to ask him to help you. Have you ever prayed in the morning, Holy Spirit, this is going to be a really tough day. 
I'm not sure how I'm going to get through this day, but I know you're with me. So guide me and direct me and help me through this day. Holy Spirit, help me. Not only does the Holy Spirit inhabit you, but Paul says he invigorates you. Verse 10, and if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Paul does not deny the effect of our fallen nature. We all have a fallen nature. We're Christians, but we didn't get rid of the old nature when we became Christians. We just got the new nature. There's a more powerful agent working within us. It's called the Holy Spirit. And while outwardly it may appear as if sin is having its decaying effect, there's another force at work. The Bible says, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. I love this verse in 2 Corinthians because it puts all of this in perspective. It tells us where we should put our emphasis. Now, I know a lot of us put our emphasis in the body. Did you see what the Bible says about the body? It's dead in the water. It's over. Now, you're going to do the best you can to prop it up for as long as you can because you kind of need your body to do what you're going to do. I remember walking into a chiropractor's office one time and seeing a big sign up on the wall that says, if you wear out this body, then where are you going to live? Right? So you need your body. But you only need your body for as long as you're here. You need your spirit here and ever. And the Bible says that you should not just think about taking care of your body, but also think about taking care of your spirit. Here's 2 Corinthians 4.16. The outward man is perishing, but the inward man, the spirit's being renewed every day. The Bible reminds us that even though we have been redeemed from the power of the flesh, we can still live fleshly lives if we don't yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. We must let him control our lives or we will fall back into old patterns of sin and the flesh. You see, the Bible is so clear about this that we have to make a choice. We're Christians. Now we know, because of what Paul has said, that we are Christians who have the Holy Spirit living in us. Here's the difference in Christians. Some people have the Holy Spirit as a resident in their life, and some people have the Holy Spirit as the president of their life. Which are you? Over a hundred years ago, a group of pastors had gathered to make plans for a citywide evangelistic campaign. And one of the men suggested that the well-known evangelist D.L. Moody be considered as a possible speaker. The pastors discussed the suggestion, and several spoke favorably about Moody. But one young preacher wasn't in favor of inviting the evangelist, and he stood up and he said with a note of sarcasm, from the way some of you talk, you'd think Mr. Moody had a monopoly on the Holy Spirit. The room became quiet, and another seasoned pastor spoke up. He said, no. Mr. Moody doesn't have a monopoly on the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has a monopoly on Mr. Moody. (laughs) Does the Holy Spirit have a monopoly on you? Is he a resident in your life, or is he the president of your life? The Holy Spirit inhabits you, but when you put him in charge, he invigorates you. Have you ever had even one experience in your life as a Christian where something happened to you That was beyond anything you know you could ever do yourself, and you knew that the Spirit of God had done it. It was a God thing. 
till you get to that experience, you don't know what you're missing. So many of us have sold ourselves so short, all of our Christian lives, because we become Christians and somebody taught us that the Holy Spirit helped us get saved, but now we're on our own. We gotta somehow muddle through till we get to heaven. No, no, when you become a Christian, you get everything you need to live this life of peace and excitement and adventure. And the only problem is, if you don't take advantage of it, there's nothing anybody can do about it. The Holy Spirit lives within you. Now, if you allow him to begin to infuse your life, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? It means to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Be absolutely, like you're, when you're filled with fear, you're to be filled with the Spirit of God. Let him control your life. Notice, Third thing, and this is really interesting, the Holy Spirit insures you. The Holy Spirit is your insurance policy, and the Bible actually says he is the down payment that God gives you that one day you're going to spend eternity with him. He's your earnest money. You know what that is. When you go buy something, you give him a down payment that says, I'm going to bring the rest of the money at closing. Well, the Holy Spirit is God's earnest payment in your life. The Holy Spirit is your insurance that one day you're going to spend eternity with the Holy God. Most often we think of God the Father as the one who raised Jesus from the dead. But in verse 11, we learn that the Holy Spirit was involved in that process too. Let me read it again. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Now listen carefully. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Even though we have been made alive by the Holy Spirit at the time of our salvation, our bodies are still subject to death and decay. But the Bible says that a future day of resurrection awaits us when our mortal bodies will be clothed with life immortal and the Holy Spirit who lives within us will regenerate us by the power of God to be in our forever rejuvenated, 100% made over bodies. Amen? So we will have new life in our bodies. The Holy Spirit comes to inhabit us. He comes to invigorate us, and he comes to ensure us that one day we're going to spend eternity with the Lord. You see, as Christians, Paul wants us to know because of the Holy Spirit, we've been saved from our sin. Because of the Holy Spirit, we have life everlasting, life abundant, life full of joy and peace. And because of the Holy Spirit who lives in our body, he's the down payment that God gave us that one day we're going to be resurrected even as Christ was and spend eternity with the Lord. So back to the beginning. What is your mindset? Are you looking at life through the lens of self? and just the things that you can put your hands on, the physical, material things, or do you have a spiritual lens? I have to tell you a little recent story before we close. I have a doctor who I've come to love greatly because he's very good at explaining everything that's good about you and everything that's wrong. Have you ever been to the doctor and they tell you what's wrong with you and you walk out and you have no clue what's wrong with you? because they said it all in medical terms and it doesn't mean anything. But he explains things. And I was talking with him and we were talking about the effect that the pandemic has had on health. That one of the problems of the pandemic is we haven't learned how to social distance from the refrigerator. (laughs) Amen? That's the problem. 
One guy I said, you know the problem with social distancing is the buttons on my shirt are social distancing from each other. Yeah. Yeah. So he waxed eloquent on how you're supposed to do this, and he starts telling me that the way you get this all under control is you keep a food journal. I said, what? He says, what you need to do if you're struggling with this is you just need to get a journal, and every day write down in that journal everything. No, he said, don't write it down. You have a cell phone? I said, take a picture of it. I said, you want me to take a picture of everything that I eat? He says, well, that's what some people are doing. They create a photo album of their food. Now, I lost it there. I didn't have any problem saying to him, you know, Doc, I ain't never going to do that. But as I thought about it later, I wondered what would happen if we had a spiritual food journal. If we put down in our journal everything that happened to us this day that contributed to our walk in the Spirit. One of the first things you'd want to put down, I went to church today to build my spirit. But how many of you know you can't get by during the whole week by having a good physical meal on Sunday after church? You need some more food during the week. I mean, Sunday dinner is great, but it's not enough. And Sunday church is great, but it's not enough. So what else are you going to put in your journal? Your prayers? You're talking to others about Jesus? You're listening to things that are building you up and filling you up with truth? You see, we can only be effective in the spiritual realm sort of in the same way that we become effective in the physical realm. In the physical realm, if you don't eat right, if you don't exercise, if you don't do the right things, you won't be healthy for long. In the spiritual realm, if all you get is what you get when you come on Sunday, you're going to struggle. You're going to find that life is kind of overwhelming you. We're all fragile. And when you're fragile, you need more than what you can get from your pastor on Sunday. You need to get some books to read, some Bible commentaries, some things that will build you up. And what's in your spiritual journal? Because, you know, the old adage is this, you've got these two natures, and whichever one you feed is the one that's going to dominate in your life. You can either be spiritually minded or you can be fleshly minded. It's not something you just decide, it's something you do. I'm going to make a conscious effort this week to see what it is I'm putting in my spiritual food journal that's going to help me be stronger as a believer. It's not a guilt thing. It's an exciting thing. It's a thing you can all do. All of us can do it. I can do it. But for right now, can we just say, thank you, Lord, for your spirit who's come to live within us. Give us peace and love and hope and guidance and direction and the guarantee that we're going to be with the Lord someday. And allow the Holy Spirit not just to be the resident in your life, but to be the president in your life. Amen. Amen. Well, we're up against the border of the weekend, so we're going to have to take a a little break. Let me remind you, uh, it's the Friday edition, which usually is a motivation for me to tell you, you need to go to church. And how important it is for you to be back in church if you're healthy, if you're not uh, vulnerable, if you're if you're okay, you need to go to church. You say, well, how do I know? If, well, did you go to the ball game Friday? Did you go to the mall last week? Um, were you out hanging out with your friends uh, in the backyard? Yeah, you're okay. Go to church. Now, I'm not saying that if you don't go to church, you're not spiritual. I, I want you to do what you know God wants you to do. What I do want to do is prick your conscience a little bit because a lot of people are using COVID as a way to sort of lay low for a while. 
This is not the time to do that. Get back to church. Uh, your church needs you. Your pastor is encouraged by your being there. I can't tell you what it's like for me to stand up at Shadow Mountain on the weekend and see all the people out there. It just fires me up. It makes me realize we're, we're strong. We're a mighty army for God, and we need one another. So get to church this weekend. Don't forget to watch Turning Point on television. It's available where you live. If you'll just do a little research, you can find it. And then uh, don't forget also, we're going to Israel in March of 2022. I want to mention that just before we close because there's time for you over the weekend to do a little research and plan to go with us. It's March 22nd through April 1st. It will be a great time. A lot of folks have already signed up. you be the next one, okay? We'll see you on Monday. The message you just heard originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. If Turning Point is making a difference in your life, let us know. Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., B4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Romans, the written word journal designed by David to help you know God's Word more deeply. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your favorite smart devices, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries and instantly access our content. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series Romans 8, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Are you looking for an effective tool for studying the scriptures? Dr. David Jeremiah has created an incredible new resource to help you do just that. The Bible tells us again and again to write down God's Word, and it's a practice that has personally transformed my study of scripture. That is why I have created the first, the Written Word Journal, so that you can join me in this powerful practice. I promise you, as you follow God's command to copy Scripture by hand, your study of God's Word will be stronger than ever. Here's more. This journal helps you create your own copy of Paul's letter to the Romans. On one side, you'll write selections from Romans word for word. On the other side, you'll record your thoughts, reflections, and prayers. When you donate any amount to support Turning Point, the written word journal is yours. If you give $60 or more, you'll receive the Romans 8 set, including this teaching series on CD or DVD and study guide. Order the book or the complete set at davidjeremiah.ca. If you're looking to enhance your personal or group Bible study, look no further than the Jeremiah Bible Study Series. In each volume, Dr. David Jeremiah helps you understand what the Bible says and how to apply it. Along the way, you will gain insights into the text, identify key themes, and be challenged to apply the truth found in Scripture to your life. Get your copy today. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca slash study. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash study. The great British writer and Christian apologist G.K. Chesterton pointed out a helpful distinction between friends, enemies, and neighbors. He said, We make our friends, we make our enemies, but God makes our next-door neighbor. Here's what I take away from Chesterton's statement. We make some appointments in life, and others God makes for us. 
And in both cases, God's instruction for how to relate to them is the same. We are to love them all. God says love your friends, and He also says love your neighbors and your enemies. They're all the same to Him, and they should be to us. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's power to love on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.